about him in the Bible. And Heather's going to come up and read to us now from Psalm 92. Uh, you've got Bibles in the seats in front of you. Uh, it's also up on the uh, projector screen if you need it. Good morning, everyone. Um, mine's on page 425, around the middle of the book. And it's a fantastic psalm, very encouraging. Looking forward to hearing Benjamin talk about it. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord. I sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord. How profound your thoughts. The senseless man does not know. Fools do not understand. That though the wicked spring up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be forever destroyed. But you, O Lord, are exalted forever. For surely your enemies, O Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured upon me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, The Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. How about I pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, please unstop our ears. Remove the scales from our eyes so that we may indeed see your glory and hear of your marvellous deeds and your glorious works. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've had the opportunity to go to a couple of music concerts this year. Both concerts were very well attended, very noisy. And the crowd was full of happy people singing their little hearts out. Problem for me, I didn't know the words. Problem for me, bigger problem, was that all of the songs were in Italian. And so while tens of thousands of people were singing along, I felt like I couldn't join in. But for those who knew the words, there was enjoyment. There was connection. There was agreement. Words matter. And when something's important or historic, there's usually a song to go with it from cheesy advertising jingles to bold national anthems, songs convey meaning and invoke emotion. Live in Australia long enough and you'll hear songs like Waltzing Matilda or Hey True Blue or even Men at Work's Land Down Under and they'll trigger strong memories. Some things are worth singing about to remind ourselves. It's not always happy times either. Songs can be about change or dissatisfaction. Think about Midnight Oil's Beds Are Burning or the old sea shanty Bound for Botany Bay or I Was Only 19. 
we turn to verse to convey strong emotions. And as we come to today's verses, I want to make the point that God is worth singing about. Psalms is a collection of 150 songs about God written to cover a wide range of emotions and settings. This psalm shows us that God is worth singing about for three main reasons. For who he is, for his delivery of justice and for his faithfulness to his people. Verse 1 of Psalm 92, won't you follow along with me in your Bibles? It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. God's name is what we are making music to. God's name tells us a lot about him. God's name is to be revered. When we see the Lord there in verse 1 in capitals, like it is throughout this psalm, it's referring to God's personal name, which in Hebrew he said to Moses, his name, Yahweh. But the original readers treated that word Yahweh with such respect that when the word Yahweh appeared on the page, they wouldn't say Yahweh. And so, out of respect, they said the Lord. And so too, our translations, when the word Yahweh is written, God's personal name, the translation here has the Lord in all capitals. And so too it has seven times through this passage. This psalm shows us that God's name is the focus of our praise. But what does his name mean? In order to understand God's name, we go back to when God first introduced himself to Moses back in Exodus, particularly Exodus 34, 6 to 7, where God passed before Moses proclaiming his name, the Lord, in capitals, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. This is how God announced himself. What a name. God has not only revealed to us his personal name, but his character too. He didn't have to do this, but God has chosen to reveal who he is to us. Isn't that amazing? He's chosen to reveal that he is love, faithfulness, compassion, grace, and that his name is synonymous with these things. This psalm alone mentions God's name seven times as the song recounts these beautiful attributes that are attached to that name. The Lord is not the only name given in verse 1. Verse 1, do you see? Oh, most high. Oh, most high. If you were with us when we were uh, looking through the book of Genesis at chapter 14, I remember talking about Melchizedek, who was a priest of God most high, who declares the blessing of God most high on Abram, and who himself, Abram himself, swears by God most high. God Most High is more than just a name. 
It's a profound statement of theology, a profound statement about who God is. Can we even contemplate? God is most high, the highest that can exist. There is none higher, no higher power, nothing that could constrain God. God is perfectly free to be true to himself. To say that God is most high means that God is, by definition, all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing, always present, fully complete, fully loving, fully faithful, and absolutely real. Because if you could think of a God that had all these attributes but was just imaginary, there would be a higher one still. A God that had all these attributes and was real. When God is most high, there is nothing that is above him. He is not constrained by anything. God is the most high. Nothing exists that can stop him or control him. He's able to do more than we could ask or imagine. That's the God we are singing about. Because God is worth singing about. And just like any good song, Psalm 92 continues that theme started by verse 1, expounding on God's name. For example, verse 2 reflects on God's attributes of love and faithfulness to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. You see, God is love. We only know what what love is because God is loving to us. Because God has given us love. The word translated love here in verse 2 means a faithful, promise-keeping love. In other translations, the word's translated as steadfast love. Faithful love. God is faithful because God is free to keep his promises. Nothing gets in his way. It's not like there was traffic on the way home. God is free to keep his promises. You know how important it is to keep promises. Whether it's being home for a special occasion or living up to your marriage vows, promises are serious. Well, the most high God is the perfect promise keeper. Faithful love is so much a part of who he is that it's even part of his name. And the fact that God is most high means you can trust him completely. If he couldn't keep his promises, he wouldn't be most high God. And so we can trust that God will do what he says he will do. And verse 2 again reinforces that with the use of the phrase in the morning and in the night. Did you see in verse 2, your love in the morning, your faithfulness at night. God's love and faithfulness are present morning and night. They never switch off. They are constant, just like God is constant, morning and night. This is important. Because in the morning, when the world's quiet, and you've got your coffee, and you're watching the sunrise, or you're enjoying the cool part of the day, then it can be easy to feel God's love It can be easy to feel peace. 
It can be easier anyway because you're refreshed and you can see what's happening. But in the night, it can be different. It can be difficult. There are times when you may be tired. You may feel the darkness. You may be weighed down by the difficulties of life. You may feel your lack of security. You might feel that you are unable to sleep. And sometimes, if you're sick or grieving or oppressed, you might feel like the night has gone on for years. But as you vary between morning and night in your day, between morning and night in your life, there's one thing that doesn't vary. There's one thing that doesn't change, and that's God's faithfulness to his promises. God doesn't change because God is constant. God doesn't go away, even in your night. God is true to his promises. He is faithful and loving. Our God is worth singing about. I wonder if anyone received a calendar for Christmas. Uh, I know people who did. It seems like a timely present. I didn't, but that's okay because I've got a natural calendar. My calendar is also known as my nature strip. It's colour-coded. I don't even have to water it. When the nature strip was yellow-green, I knew it was winter. And then when the nature strip turned a deep green, I knew it was spring. And now I don't really want to look at it because the nature strip has gone an off-browny, strawy, hay-y colour. And I know it's summer. As you drive further inland, the grass is a great indicator of what season we're in. In many places in interior Australia right now, there's brown, dry, dead grass and you know it's summer. It's just waiting for a spark to lick it up in an instant. The song we're looking at today uses a garden illustration to help us understand the times that we live in, comparing grass with tall trees, cedars and palms. First, the grass from verse 6. The senseless man does not know. Fools do not understand that though the wicked spring up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be forever destroyed. We can understand the description of grass. From winter to summer, we see the life cycle of grass. Uh, As the sun comes closer to the earth in spring, the earth warms up and the grass flourishes spreads out right across the lawn. But then, as the sun comes even closer in summer, the grass is scorched. It perishes. We can understand about grass, but not everyone understands this psalm is talking about people. Some people look like they're thriving. They look like they're flourishing. For them... God is fine as long as he keeps at a distance. And they're getting rich from the resources that God gives to everyone, but they don't acknowledge him. They grow so well, they think they're set. They're thriving just like grass in the spring. But we know what happens 
as the sun gets closer. The grass is scorched. And verse 6 says, This is hard for fools to understand that it's the same with people. Who is the fool? Well, Psalm 14 gives us a definition of the fool. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool says there is no God. No God, no most high. No God means no creator. What's happening to us is all just chance. No God means no ruler. So it can be every man for himself. That's like the grass saying there's no sun. But summer is always coming, and so too God's justice is coming. The psalm says the fool doesn't understand that the wicked are like grass. All around us, the grass is growing metaphorically. Haven't you seen it? Wickedness springs up like grass, and evildoers flourish. People are achieving success, money, power, fame by going their own way. God seems to have created an environment where people can spread out all over the earth and do what they like without ever acknowledging him. The wicked may be flourishing in this world, but the psalm tells us God's justice is coming. The wicked will perish. The centre of this psalm, the heart of it, verse 8, says the Lord is to be exalted forever Why, verse 9, for surely his enemies will perish. This is hard. This is hard to understand. This is hard to think about. And yet, God Most High is faithful to his promises. I tell you when it's not hard to understand. I tell you when it's something that you relish is when you are a victim when you have been oppressed, when you have been singled out and treated harshly, you long for justice. Each of us has been in both situations. Each of us has longed for justice, and yet when we consider our lives, we realise that justice will be painful for us too. And when we think about the name of God, we see that justice is part of his name. Justice is part of his nature. Exodus 34, I read to you earlier, God is slow to anger, but he will not tolerate rebellion. He will not leave the guilty unpunished. The one who rejects God's name, the one who denies him, he may flourish now, but like spring grass, He will not last. If you've ever denied God, if you've ever rejected what he says, if you've gone your own way, then even if you are flourishing now, you deserve to be counted as his enemies. (laughs) That was me too. And if we're honest, we'll admit that every single one of us has gone our own way and ignored God our master. And even though we may be flourishing right now, if we are not with God, then when justice is served, we deserve to wither like grass left in the summer sun. If people are like grass, spreading out and covering the earth, but denying God, 
and that counts all of us, then who of us can survive when the summer sun comes metaphorically to judge? This psalm paints a grim picture for the grass. But there's another image that provides us with relief. The contrast is a tall, strong tree. Let's have a look from verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They'll still bear fruit in old age. They'll stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. I love tall trees. Do you? I love the Norfolk pines that provide shelter at Flynn's Beach. I love to walk among the tall gum trees on the Googie track. Do you know the sound when you're in the tall forest and things are at peace? And even in tough times like fire or flood, tall trees have a greater capacity to endure, greater than grass at least. In the poetic language of the psalm, the tall tree is an illustration. It's an illustration for the righteous who God will cause to flourish. Who are these righteous people? Didn't I just put it to you that we are all uh, like the, the fools who deny God and like the summer grass that's going to be licked up? I mean, who is the psalmist talking about then when he talks about the righteous? Friends, if you want to know who is counted as righteous... If you want to be the tall tree rather than the summer grass, the answer is found in the Bible. It's found in the Romans chapter 3, verse 22. Righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. If you want to be right with God, the Bible tells you, you can't be righteous in and of your own self. Because righteousness doesn't come from you. It comes from God. We are by nature enemies of God. But the righteousness we need comes through faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that Jesus is God most high. That Jesus is the only truly righteous human Yet he bore the punishment you and I deserve when he died the death that God's enemies deserve. Jesus bears your punishment so that you can bear his righteousness. The righteous who will thrive are the ones who trust that God will count them as righteous by the gift of Jesus Christ, the righteousness given for us. It's by trusting Jesus that you are made righteous. Otherwise, you are like the summer grass. Have you put your trust in Jesus? With his righteousness, you will become like the palm tree or the cedar, the tall tree. You will endure when the grass is burnt up. And not only, but you will thrive. As the psalm goes on, however, we learn something else about the righteous. They are like trees planted in the right place. 
And if we are to live in this righteousness we've been given, we too should be planted in the right place. Where is the place to plant the righteous so that they grow like tall trees? Verse 13, tall trees planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. The house of the Lord is where we are right now. I don't mean 91 William Street. Uh, The location is not the place. We are planted in the house of the Lord when we grow in the community of God's people. This psalm recognises that you can't do it alone. God saves his people by faith alone, but he saves them to be part of his house, to be part of his community. He saves us out of darkness and into a community of believers. The house of the Lord is where we flourish. The house of the Lord is where we grow. That's why in the house of the Lord, we sing together about Jesus, just like the New Testament directs us in places like Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ Christ, dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Do you see the one another there? This command can't be fulfilled by an individual. We're not all listening to Walkmans on our own device. We need one another to teach and to be taught, to admonish and to be admonished. Church is where we thrive and grow like tall trees. God is worth singing about, yes, and we are called together to sing those praises. Have you ever had a song and you've hated it? A song that you've hated at first, but then over time you've come to love it? I can remember hearing an album from one of my favourite bands and I was like, ugh, their old stuff was much better. (laughs) But as I listened again, it, it grew on me. Have you had that experience that a song has grown on you Uh, or something else has grown on you, a house when you moved into it, it wasn't that great, but then over time it it became pretty good. Uh, These things get stuck in your head and they grow on you. Uh, As I think about it, did the song really grow? Did the house really grow? Did it change? Did the song somehow become more likeable? No, it was me who grew. And so too with the things of the Lord, what was unpalatable, uncomfortable about God, about God's nature, begins to grow on us. Actually, we begin to grow into it. God doesn't change, but we change as we grow, putting off the old and bearing fruit the way God designed us to do. Look at verse 14 of your psalm. They, that's the righteous, will still bear fruit into old age. They will stay fresh and green. Friends, if you're made righteous by faith in Jesus and you're planted in the house of the Lord, then your growing will never stop. We never stop bearing fruit. 
we will be fresh and green. Some of you might have to admit you're old and grey, but in the Lord you're fresh and green. There's no retirement in the house of the Lord. And if you think you're done growing, if you think you've had enough flourishing, well, that doesn't sound like a palm tree. That sounds like summer grass. Come into the house of the Lord by faith in Jesus Christ, ready to grow, knowing that planted in the courts of the Lord, you will grow and even bear fruit to old age. God's people have sung, sung these psalms, really since they were first called his people. They sang in ancient Israel. They sang in the early Christian church. And we still sing today. We'll still be singing when God takes us home. The Bible gives us a brief glimpse of heaven in Revelation 5. And guess what? Everyone is still singing. Singing God's praises, pointing to Christ. The writer says, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to God who sits on the throne most high and to the Lamb, that's Jesus, be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. God sits on the throne and Jesus' power is forever. Friends, this psalm and this psalm are songs for the ages. The musical notes and the score may have disappeared over time, but the words remain and we know that that's because the words are more important. Every generation of God's people has recognised this and they compose new tunes to sing the old words. This song, like its title suggests, I don't want to miss it, right back at the start of Psalm 92, was written for the Sabbath day, a day where we put all our other demands off so we can contemplate our relationship with God. Can you contemplate what it means for you to sing God's praises and to bear fruit even into old age? What does that look like? Maybe you need to ponder that this week. Maybe if you can't take a day, you need to take an hour. Maybe you need to take a few hours to contemplate what it means to sing God's praises and to bear fruit into old age. Take your notes home and reread this psalm. Let the words grow on you. Well, actually, grow into the words. Feel yourself growing as you think through what these words mean for your work, for your study, for your family, even for your retirement. See that bearing fruit is based on your faith in Christ planted in his church. And may his song grow on you today as you sing out his praises in everything you do and say. How about we pray? Lord, ah, may this song be stuck in our heads as we recognise that it is good to praise you for your love and your faithfulness for your deeds and your works. Lord, please help us not to be like the fools who miss the point, 
but to understand the point is Jesus, who gives us his righteousness in place of our foolishness. Lord, help us to commit our lives to him today, and not just today, but morning and night through the rest of our lives, may we stay fresh and green, flourishing even into old age. And may we remain planted in your courts with Jesus as our cornerstone. In his name we pray. Amen.